What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast. We have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And y'all, I got another dope guest for you this week, but wanted to share a few great ways to continue to support the show. Like always, number one, like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. Number two, follow RTWD on IG at RTWD Podcast and your boy at DM. Let me know your favorite episodes, some constructive feedback, or just say hi. And then finally, by supporting the show financially, there are two ways to support the show. Number one, the Real Fan Patreon page, or if your bank account don't work like that, you can go ahead and slide your boy a one-time dono on my coffee page. And by financially supporting the show, you are literally, and I mean literally, helping the show run because this thing ain't free. Also, big shout out to those who are in the real fam. Thank you so much. Shout out y'all, for real. All right, now on to my guest. This week, I am joined by Kristen Dent. Kristen is an LA native, professor, poet, author, and laser tag enthusiast who utilizes psychology and narrative art to help people forgive their parents. She's a former therapist and college professor of psychology and currently co-hosts a podcast called The Art of Adulting on Tuesday. Y'all, I am really excited about this conversation. She's an incredibly dynamic speaker, charisma, multi-hyphenate, all of the things. So without further ado, here is Kristen. Kristen, what up? How you doing? Hello. I'm super excited to be here, man. It's nothing like hearing your own bio and thinking, wow, who's that? They sound amazing. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Oh my gosh. Yo, I love, I, hey, listen, I love, you know, gassing folks up. I always say I always got that gas on me. You know, you send me the bio, but you know, I little, do a little zhuzh up, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm always excited to to introduce folks. Yeah. Yes, yeah, put the little something had, on it. Yeah, I had yeah. the season. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So I, like you said, I always like read the bio, but I love for folks to share <laughs> who they are. You know, I want folks to hear it from them directly so if i were to ask you the question and just allow you the space to introduce yourself to the real fam like yo who is kristen kristen is someone who lives a gentle life i've learned that i cannot actually use one adjective to describe who i am but i know that i am in a state of gentleness Mm -hmm. and i think that even like hearing the bio a lot of us hear someone's product we see someone's end product but we don't see the process Mm -hmm. and in the process it requires a lot of healing so at one point i would call myself a healer but i realized that when i stayed in a position of a healer it required me to also be in a state of pain whether that was listening to other people's pain or Mm -hmm. resurfacing my own i used to say educator and that still reigns true but I'm not limited to the classroom. I used to stay speaker, but if I'm not being booked by somebody, do I still speak? And so there's a lot of commas that come after my name, but I think it's just really operating in purpose that when you live a gentle life, you're willing to add any adjective necessary for that season. And so I have been through enough and a lot in my 20s to understand the power that comes with wisdom and how to unlearn. Mm-hmm. If anything, I'd say that's the season that I'm in right now. I'm in a season of unlearning. Um, a lot of things that we've developed and been taught from elementary school to college, even on the pulpit, really getting to know things for myself and really liberating others so that they can get the freedom as well. Yeah, I love that. See, you already ready to go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it. laughs> 
<laughs> Yo, I love that like phrasing of even just like a season of like gentleness and, and gentle. Like I was um, having a conversation a few weeks ago and as I was like processing, doing like this grounding exercise, like the word that kept ringing in my mind is like kindness. And like there was like a, a like a rough like part of my shoulder. I like not messed it up, but it was like super sore. And the word that just kept ringing in my ear was just like being kind and gentle to myself. And like, not just with like how I treat that like injury or soreness, but like how I treat myself as I'm navigating like all of the things that I'm doing and just being like kinder and gentler to myself and kind of like being fluid and okay with like the process and like trust in that process. So I, I like, I, I vibe with that a whole lot um, and resonate with that too, of just like just being in a, a season of gentle <laughs> and how often we forget to, to do that for ourselves, especially yeah. people who give all the time. Yeah. I think that that's one of the problems with givers. Givers don't know how to receive mm-hmm. and sometimes givers self-sabotage. And so we're told things like go hard, grind. Grinding, the point of grinding, an illustration of that is like when you're sharpening a pencil. Yeah. When you're sharpening that pencil, you're shaving off layers. It's grinding up against a sharpener. But you always know you have to pull the pencil out at a certain time or the pencil will get so sharp that it breaks as soon as you try to use it. Yeah. The whole point of being sharpened is so that you're useful. But yeah. some of us are just grinding to the point where we break. And yeah. that is not helpful to you or anyone else. And I have learned and unlearned that I helping you does not mean I have to hurt me. Mm-hmm. I have learned to speak up and protect myself and that my headspace is the safest space for me. Nobody else lives in my headspace but me. So I will do whatever it takes because I'm the only person who has to go to sleep with my thoughts and feelings. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I get a good night's sleep. So if that means setting a boundary with you, if that means leaving a job abruptly, if that means not spending time with certain family members, I will do whatever it takes for peace and boundaries only offend people who are used to taking advantage of you. Yeah, absolutely. So to the givers, the same way you get joy when other people receive from you, don't deprive other people of joy from receiving from them. And mm-hmm. I have I have learned that. I've learned to, you know, walk away quickly, leave in love, but make sure that you leave and this gentle life is a peaceful life, but I think people who experience a lot of trauma sometimes mistake peace for boredom. Mm-hmm. And it's this discernment to recognize the difference between the two. Absolutely. It definitely is discernment. Cause like I've even thinking about like my own experience about I used to hate being alone or hate being not busy or having like a full schedule. And what I didn't realize is like how anxious I was, how like mm. depressed I was, how stressed I was. And even when I wasn't invited to something, when I had downtime, I felt like something was wrong. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong that like my calendar is not full? And so some somewhere along the way, like I fooled myself into believing that like if my calendar wasn't full, then mm-hmm. I was doing something wrong. And then I wasn't being at my best. I wasn't doing all these things and not realizing I'm constantly giving from an empty tank. I'm constantly giving from like a place I ain't got, you know, and it took like legitimately a pandemic and being forced to be <laughs> indoors and away from people to recognize like how much I value boredom, how much I value not doing anything, not having anything on my schedule, to be honest, not talking to nobody. <laughs> and just like being with myself on the couch in early in the morning with my coffee or tea or whatever, reading a book or reading a comic or watching one of my favorite videos that like I don't get a chance to watch or something like that, you know? 
I just didn't realize that. And so like that piece about like confusing peace mm, with like boredom, mm, it's just like, and sometimes <laughs> boredom is not a bad thing. Like, yo, like there's so many things that happen in our minds where just being bored and like sitting with our thoughts, our feelings and emotions and processing, like that's a good thing. Like having that space to do that, like it's an incredibly like impactful thing. And we are just so bombarded with a ton of information every minute of every day. We have to like fight for that. Like, and I don't even like legitimately fight for, for our peace, for, for that boredom. So. And I think um, it's also learning to rest without guilt. mm, Like, mm -hmm. yeah. If you're a believer, one of the commandments, it was a commandment to rest Mm -hmm. that even God, when he finished creation, he rested, he took a day to say, look at all that I've done. It was good. And he mm-hmm. rested. So rest is a part of God's nature. And with me, I'm from LA and I went to a prestigious university out there where as soon as you get on campus, people were in like three to four different clubs. Like mm-hmm. the networking was like instantaneously happening. And for me, I wasn't joining clubs. I was creating them. So I was mm-hmm. creating spaces. You be what you need. And so I created the first ever poetry slam team at USC. And I created the Black Actors Union because one, the need was I was looking for friends who shared mm-hmm. the same interests as me, but it turned into the productivity. And I think that's super important for people under to understand on a journey of being successful Understand the difference between the need and productivity. Some of you want friends, but you may be too afraid to get them. So you're becoming busy in your club organizations. You're becoming busy in volunteering in different organizations in your sorority or your fraternity. You have to be very aware of when busyness and anxiety are speaking for you. Mm -hmm. Anxiety doesn't just show up as shakes and fear. Anxiety shows up with its one of its close friends called rejection. Yep, yep. The fear of rejection will cause you to be super busy so that it's like, oh, well, I couldn't go to that party because I have a board meeting with my club. So I don't feel rejected that I didn't get invited. Mm-hmm. And for me, it got to the point where I was, it, it, it feels good to wake up and know what you're going to do yeah. and know people you're going to see. But at some point when you are just on fumes, when you're eyes are black because they're just dry when your lips are chapped when your apartment is a mess because one of the byproducts of anxiety is it's just an overwhelming headspace and your headspace is reflected into your physical space so i can tell how anxious you are by your car how dirty it is how your apartment is it's really taking that time to say what is my actual need And I realized like I really wasn't even getting the need met despite being on the front page of newspapers in LA, despite interviewing celebrities, despite a lot of accolades on the outside, Mm -hmm. my needs still weren't met. And I think that's why we see a lot of people still committing suicide because the need was never met. It was just masked with busyness. Yeah. Yeah. And then like even, well, I want to keep on this note, but like, I'm also wanting to ask you a question about like this unlearning because like, that's the, and we get, I think the two are connected and I'm, I'm like resonating with a lot of the things you're, you're, you're dropping right now because like, that's one of the things that I'm like unlearning, you know what I'm saying? Just because like somebody is doing a lot of stuff, somebody is like out there grinding, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't mean that I'm not going to check on those people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like in recent months, we have we have recognized so many people that we believe to be like incredibly strong. We don't need to check up on them. And then like we see people in the news of like these people that have had incredible impact, but like 
something dark was happening behind the scenes that a lot of people didn't know. And I, I just like, it just always like resonates with me because it, even from my own personal story, like that, that was like me, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm the person that was always doing stuff out there. You know, I knew everybody on campus, all these different things, but like I was literally dying inside and nobody, nobody knew, but no, and also nobody was asking. And so like unlearning that idea of like not checking up on the people that are just like doing all this stuff and just being like, you know, I'm going to take, not only am I going to like quit this club <laughs> and back away from these things or say no without qualifier saying no and un- giving an unqualified no but also like doing the thing that i wish like folks did for me and just like saying yo i was thinking about you how you doing and like unlearning this idea that just because they're grinding and they have a smile on their instagram or whatever that they're doing okay <laughs> but just 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 reaching out and, and taking the extra time yeah that was definitely me some people call them grindaholics and that <laughs> really is trying to outwork your trauma honestly Mm-mm. I went through a huge amount of grief and loss. I had seven people in my family die within Mm. like a year and a half of me being in grad school. It affected my ability to learn. It affected my ability to sleep. It affected my weight gain. I was also the first graduate student um, spirit leader at USC. So I was cheering at athletic events and I could notice myself getting bigger in my midsection, I had people make nasty, nasty, nasty rumors about me hmm. um, just because of my weight gain. And I was somebody that somebody said, you're ubiquitous. Like, you're everywhere. I see you at basketball. I see you doing poetry. I see you leading activism. I see you like, you're everywhere. Hmm. And I learned the pain of being hyper visible, but not seen. Mm-hmm. You see me everywhere, but you don't see me. Yeah. And some people do not have jurisdiction to ask you those type of questions. Absolutely. So yeah. You shouldn't have asked. Great. Mm-hmm. But to the people close to you, I know for me, I did speak up. Mm-hmm. I did say I'm not okay. And unfortunately, people were like, but how? You mm-hmm. wrote a book. You're cheering. You're doing all these things. You're doing, but you don't know my being. Mm-hmm. And if you only see my achievements, you will never hear my suffering. Yeah. And I think suicide comes and thoughts of self-harm come when people did open their mouth. Mm. And they were left with, but you're fine. Yeah. But you do the but, but you did this. And that's why it's so important. I went to school to be a therapist. Yeah. And so we had to be in therapy. And I'm I'm glad I was, but I also learned that some things are meant for a professional. Yeah, some yep. things are meant spiritual, and then there's some things meant for just me. Some mm-hmm. of the chaos in our minds comes when we just don't make a decision. Mm-hmm. Like healing is a choice. Some things you got to decide if you're going to be with them or not. You already know the answer is already inside of you, but the torment comes when you don't want to make the decision. And so for me, I made a decision to move. I made a decision to get out of my environment. I made a decision to walk away. And I made a decision to choose myself when that came to leaving jobs. You have to remember our older generation of parents and grandparents, they did not have as many luxuries as we do of choice. Mm -hmm. So when you talk to certain people about your situation, you're always going to get advice from their time period and their perspective, which is why they'll say like, don't quit no job. Girl, you need the benefits. 
That's a good paying job. Like, no, ma'am, $30,000 is not no good paying job. No, it's not. (laughs) Especially in LA County. (laughs) Especially in LA. You can't live off that. Like, no. You can't. You can't. But you're giving me advice from your time period because it was better than what you had. So at some point, you got to, I've learned, unlearning means I'm not consulting everybody about my situation. Mm -hmm. I got to sit down with myself. I have to journal and I have to just make a decision. I made, I'm making a decision to leave. And that's really sparked more entrepreneurship, um, opening my own private practice. I worked with my supervisor. I got on psychology today and I started seeing my own clients and I fired my employer, which I moved from LA to Nashville. And it was my first time living in the South and racism is like in the soil. Like they were just so blatant with it. And I was like, and I was the only person speaking up about it. And Mm. that's dangerous when you become numb to injustice when you become numb to abuse yeah. that's when you know it's time for you to go and uproot yeah absolutely absolutely and i like how you said like well just going not that part i'm a pause on there but i'm i, I like even want to like touch on the like when you open up about like the things that you're going through and it's kind of like faced with that rejection faced with that kind of like yeah. but you know what I'm saying? It's just like how those reactions when other people, like when you open up to people that you believe that you trust, like is is re- received with like this um, rejection piece. And it's yeah. just like how important it is it for us that are on the other side to like create space, <laughs> create space for, for, for people to feel and be. But on the other end of that, of like, if you don't, if like you recognize that those people are not safe, like, you know, you got to like do the thing. Yeah. And do what's necessary for you, which is like to set, you know, reset boundaries, which can be really hard to reset those boundaries of like, yo, you're actually not a safe person. All right. Okay. And then making the decision for you to get better and like, what does that look like? Right. So no, that, that, that is incredible. And even on that, I think that sometimes boundaries are for you as well. Mm -hmm. I do say that boundaries do need to be communicated, but at some point boundaries are just for you. So when you go over to that person's house, one thing I have to do with a couple people is like, okay, I'm not talking about X. I'm not talking about Y and I'm not talking about Z. Mm -hmm. If those conversations come up, I'm going to get up and go to the restroom or I'm going to say, I'm not participating in this conversation. Why? Because me and this person, we don't agree on this topic and that's okay, but I don't want to hear it. And I don't want them arguing with me. So I set that boundary with myself and it has worked. It has been so helpful. I don't even respond when they bring a certain topic. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people where I've had to say like, look, we can't talk about this topic. We don't agree. Let's just not bring it up to each other. And I think that not everyone wants to invest in learning about safe spaces and mental health. Not everybody wants to, but I would say to any friend, any family member, when someone trusts you with something that is heavy and dark, one of the easiest things, if you don't know what to say is tell me more. Yep. Yep. That is so safe because it's saying I'm listening. You don't have to have the answer. You don't have to. And what I don't, what is so hard, hurtful is like, quote unquote, playing devil's advocate. Did nobody ask you to work for the devil? Okay. Nobody (laughs) asked you to take his side. Take my side. And if I ask you and all, so tell me more, don't play the advocate. And then ask people what they need. Like, so what do you need from me? Some people just need you to listen. Yeah. They yeah, don't yeah. need advice. Yeah. What do you need from me? I just need you to listen. Excellent. Give them what they need. What do you yeah. need from me? Honestly, I just need a place to sleep tonight. Great. Yeah. Here's my couch. If you ask, and I think people, one thing I always tell my students, 
which I learned from my dad, people who assume live a dangerous life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are breaking relationships because we assume and we don't know how to meet the needs. And so when you don't take care of yourself, when you don't ask yourself questions, when you don't assess within yourself, you start doing that stuff to other people. You don't protect you. That's why it's hard for you to not. it's, It's hard for you to protect others. But those are like three, I would say, top three skills that people can actually bring into their conversations to create safer spaces. I love those three because like, I mean, at least the like, tell me more thing. I always tell people that like, that's the number one thing because they're like, yo, like, how do you like, how do you be doing this? And I'm like, literally, I'm just curious and I don't try and fix nobody. Like that's, that's, that's literally it. Because like, I have my bouts with depression, have my bouts with anxiety, but that looks completely different from this other person's. And like, Mm -hmm. I can, I can only speak to my own experience and like me telling them, Unless they ask for any kind of advice of things that I've I've worked through and, and I and I always qualify. I'm like, this is what I did, and like yeah. you can try to see if it's helpful. And like, and if it's not, I'm a I'm I'm here to listen. Like that's all. Like that's all you you can do. And I think so, oftentimes I'm surprised how often actually like some people just they don't want you to fix it. They just want you to listen, bro. Like they I just. I don't need anything. I just need you to just just agree with me that this shit sucks. Like that's yeah. all that's all I want you. That's all Nothing. I want you to say. Like that's all I want you to say. I don't need yeah. you to do anything. I don't need you to say. I just my job sucks. You know, <laughs> I'm tired of staying in the house. Yeah. This relationship sucks. Like I just need you to tell me that. Unless it like is to a point where like there is like potential harm there. They don't more times than not when i I'm sitting with somebody, they just need you to just like listen <laughs> and yeah. how often and it's sad like how often folks don't feel heard yeah i think that's what i've discovered a lot like as i've coached as i've entered like a mentoring space as i've like done even this podcast and like the people that are like that listen and listeners and stuff like that they're like yo like this was impactful for me because like like in the conversation that you're having like i feel seen i feel heard i'm like god that's like so hard. <laughs> yeah, I even want to shout you out in your show notes, like the stuff you send sent as a guest before. It was you had just so much respect in it. Like I respect you. I respect your privacy. Please feel free to share. Oh yeah, your sharing. I'm not going to invade yeah. your boundaries. I was just like, he's aware. <laughs> he's aware. He's been through some things where he's yeah. been violated. He's trying to yes. hurt nobody. Yeah, and I'm no, I like, oh. I can pick that up even in just in that's the power of language and what you mm-hmm. were saying of some people just want to listen. I would, the fourth skill I would add is validate yes. before you give any advice, be able to validate like that sounds hard. Mm-hmm. Wow. That sounds amazing. That sounds like breakthrough validate first, because some people always remember this. People tell you what they want you to know. So even if they told you something and they told you, let's say they even told a little bit of a lie and now you're giving them advice you don't know the whole story. And so compared to if you were just listening, that person, the thing that they're not telling you, they already know they messed up, but they Mm -hmm. just want you to listen and validate because they know what they have to do. They may not want to do it, but they don't want to tell you the whole truth. So Mm -hmm. always keep that in mind. One, I tell my clients, you know, I can't help a lie. So, and as a professional, they can open up to me and share me, share a lot of shameful things. But as with friends, there are certain things you're not going to tell your friends and family and you yeah. don't have to. But yeah. keeping in mind, they only told me what they wanted me to know. There could be other factors. I just need to validate and I can ask them, do you need advice? But validation is just so necessary because I feel like gaslighting, mm. is, it, gaslighting is just 
so prevalent right now. And for those who may not be aware, gaslighting is when you harm somebody and you manipulate the situation to the point where you're blaming them for being a victim. So if somebody says like, you know, you've been taking money out of my, you know, cookie jar that I told you in private was for my trip. And they're like, well, you shouldn't have it out on the fridge. You shouldn't have had it in the kitchen. That's your fault. You shouldn't have put it somewhere that I could have seen. Why would you do that? See, you're irresponsible. Now they completely shifted all the blame to you, yep. took no responsibility. And you're over here questioning yourself like, man, was that? Was that my Was that irresponsible? Was Man. that? Should I have not saved yeah. money in my yeah. house? Yeah. And yeah. Horrible. Horrible yeah. feeling. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's no, being I, aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. I there is so much gaslighting that happens. And and like I even think back to like when I gaslit in past relationships. Oh my gosh. Thank God for growth. So it's just like, uh, just, you know, like uh, there's sometimes I got to write a book. There's a, there's two books I plan to write. The first book is like thanking all the people that like believed in me telling stories. Shout out that. That's my idea. It's copyrighted. Don't take it. Anyway, that's for everybody else. And then the the, the second idea is like all the sorries I wish I said, just like apologizing to like all these people and just telling the stories and obviously not releasing the names, but just like. I just think of like some people I need to pay a couple of their therapy bills. <laughs> uh, That's honest. Yeah, because yeah, it's just like, obviously, I want to have grace for like my past self. Like that's another lesson that I'm learning in this season of just like having grace for past Jonathan. And, but like it is, it, it is just like this gaslighting is like so prevalent. And it's just like for the person that is gaslighting, it's like this, re- like you're rejecting like responsibility. You're rejecting... Yeah like that feeling of even guilt and like you're turning yeah. your back on that for the at the sake of the other person at the sake of that relationship I'm just like I just uh when I see it witness it happen online when I like hear folks do it in meetings or something like that when I'm like just like witnessing it I'm like yo I try and like cause attention to that and like validate the other experience because it, it, it is wild to me how like look at me 2020 yeah. it is wild to me like to 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 see that to to witness it and, and not like, yeah, fear. not take responsibility for your actions. It's just wild to me. I don't even know. Like, there's no other word for, for, for that I have for it. Yeah, I think it comes from fear. Like, mm. when you actually get caught, I think someone's immediate response is, oh, don't take responsibility. Don't take responsibility. Because either one, when you got caught when you were a child, you got, I don't want to always use the word abused, but you got mm. physically harmed or you got harmed in some type of way that your punishment was too painful and you don't want to endure it. Even though this is your friend and they're not going to spank you, you may be like, oh my goodness, like I'm caught and I can't feel that again. So you just immediately go to gaslighting. And most people don't even know that they're doing it. Yeah. Most people don't even know that they're not taking responsibility, that they're blaming you. They're trying to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what comes with unlearning. Unlearning is knowing how to forgive and knowing how to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are someone who constantly forgives, meaning, yeah, people wronged you, but you had the capacity to forgive them, it is much easier for you to apologize to other people. It's okay to say you are not sorry for who you are, but you're sorry for the action and the result. And I always say this, save your sorries. Sometimes people will manipulate you and want you to apologize for being great. Mm-hmm. Apologize to you for an assumption they came up about you. And I, for as a young lady, other girls, mean girls, would just come up to me like, oh, I thought you were so stuck up. I thought you were so mean. And at first I would be like, 
oh no, like I'm really nice. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And I told my mom and she was like, no, stop apologizing. You didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Those girls just wanted you to apologize for being who you are. That's yeah. a manipulation tactic. So it's recognizing when the harm has actually been done and when someone's just trying to get a rebuttal and a sorry out of you when they should be apologizing. You yeah. were spreading rumors without getting to know me. You have a messed up mindset that you, you're you just assuming that I'm some type of way without talking to me. That sounds like a you problem. Yeah. So I've learned to extend grace. I've learned to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't mean access. Mm -hmm. I can forgive you and we never speak again. Yep. But the difference is, as a believer, I know I've forgiven you that even though we don't talk, if you were to come to mind in a dream or something, I can still pray for you. Yeah, I can still send good things to you without ever speaking to you as well. Yeah. And I think, okay, hmm, I'm trying to choose which hole I want to go down. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up your seatbelt. I know, because like the first one is the forgiveness without access part. And that might be the title of this episode. And then mm. also the other side is like the other one that I potentially want to chase down is like recognizing when, hmm, how to frame it. Cause you talked about it. Like, let me like lay it out and then like, let's see. So like recognizing when like you should apologize when you feel like you've been wrong, actually, you know what I'm saying? Like who, where, where is the ownership lie in the, in the uh, apology or like, asking for forgiveness piece. Cause I feel like sometimes in certain relationships, I'm, I'm thinking back like of sometimes where I just like felt confused as to why I was apologizing. Not because I didn't do something wrong, mm -hmm. but like I, I, I acknowledged the wrong that I did, but like, I also feel like, yo, like you said some messed up stuff to me. Why do I feel like this is only a one-sided, <laughs> one-sided mm -hmm. conversation? You know what I'm saying? And recognizing those things and like understanding when at potential points I was getting manipulated or manipulation was happening in those places. And I feel like sometimes that gets confused in particular with, with certain dynamics and in, in relationships. Well, you said the key word confusion. Mm -hmm. The minute you notice confusion, then you know something's off because mm -hmm. an apology, one, it's a conversation. So it's really being able to, and one strategy that a speaker told us is whenever you're arguing, especially as a couple, don't yell, whisper. Because if you're both whispering, it forces you to be quiet and listen. Mm -hmm. So whisper, that's a strategy. When, some, when you are having a conversation, it's li listening to someone's perspective and then asking them clearly, like, what harm did I say or and what harm did I cause? You know you're dealing with a manipulator when they can't even say it. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I didn't like it. Okay. You, you don't know, but you didn't like it. Got it. And then when it's your turn, be mindful of how they act. Are they listening or are they saying, no, that's your perspective? If it matters to me, it matters. And a lot of people are apologizing and they are betraying themselves. Mm. So it's being able to say, it's being able to one, either to journal or peel back the onion and just be solid in yourself. Like, I know I didn't do anything wrong. Just because I like the color blue and you like the color red, that doesn't mean that my statement was offensive. Liking mm -hmm. blue was not offensive. I'm not apologizing for anything. Yeah. It's one thing you can say, especially in professional settings is it's unfortunate you feel that way when you know you didn't do anything wrong. But when you feel like in your example, like this should be going both ways and you don't get an apology, thank you. I forgave you. And I also am going to deny access. 
You can't change people. You get to see how they act and choose if you want to participate. And when someone is too prideful to apologize, is too prideful to empathize with your experience, then let me, that lets me know you don't have enough emotional intelligence to keep this going Mm. because I will always be catering to you and I will never feel fulfilled. And that turns into bitterness, resentment, cheating, and abuse. So it's, it's the notion and the term I like bow out gracefully. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to force an apology out of you, but you just, you don't get access to me. You let me know your character. And there have been situations with me where I've apologized to somebody that I haven't talked to in a while. And I apologize like, oh, maybe they're mad because we haven't talked, but we're the type of friends who don't talk all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't apologize to me for their mean words. Guess what? You keep that apology, leave in love, but make sure you leave. Mm-hmm. And I do south. And I don't even need to say we're never talking. No. Send the message, block, delete, and I throw going away parties for people. Yeah. Whether it's me getting a glass of water and toasting in the air, I think about all the good times because that person got access to you for a reason. Mm-hmm. You were getting some type of benefit from them for a reason, even if it was just for that season. And so thank you for the season. We had a good time. I'm leaving for these reasons, X, Y, and Z, because guess what? A lot of us don't re- understand we will cross paths in some way. And I am not going to let you leave and then leave bitterness, hatred, yeah. anger with me. You not take, I'm, that's not staying here. Take that with you. It's not going to mm-hmm. stay here. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. And I appreciate the layup. I can tell, you know, you got some, you got some acting chops and everything like that. Cause then that gives me into the, <laughs> that gives me into like the, <laughs> the forgiveness without access part. You know what I'm saying? And I think that is like such a crucial lesson because like, I feel like sometimes, that like we feel like there needs to be this bow on it of like the forgiveness piece of like we had the conversation. All right, we need to, you know, like we're going to pick up where we left off, right? We're going to go back to that, the old, the way things were, or, or it's going to be better now. And like sometimes that actually the better thing to do is like, I think, Part I think this is run its course. Like this is, yeah. and this is completely okay. It is yeah. completely okay. And to do that thing of like throwing an away party. I love that like imagery of like, reflecting on that that time period reflecting on that person that even that thing right like because sometimes it could be just like a activity a job or whatever and like go through the process of essentially like grief of that and then just be like all right peace it is what it is um and then just like close that door for that time being and i feel like that's such a mislinked and i think that that is another lesson that i'm learning there's so many lessons during the season that's another lesson that i'm learning of just like it's all right like that's okay that's completely okay that that person or that thing or that job or even this season that season is over uh for me yeah because it's not just people it's like there's a long list of things that like you know we have to learn how to throw that goodbye party for Yeah, that happened to me with mental health. Like I retired Mm -hmm. from the mental health industry. For me, I just assessed like it pays horrible and it wasn't actually designed to help people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have, I had impact in my one-on-one sessions, but it just took up a lot of my time. And as an entrepreneur, I want my time. Yeah. Um, So when I made the executive decision and when you have a clear sound mind, it's easier to make decisions. Yeah. When I made an executive decision to retire um, from mental health, I wrote textbooks. I was teaching at the collegiate level. Like I was speaking and doing seminars. I 
spoke at Halle Berry's, Halle Berry's domestic violence conference, Steve Harvey's young boys conference. Like I was like, I'm willing to retire. And there was such a grief that came with it. Mm-hmm. Unlearning is that kind of like F you see you later. I don't care. Unlearning is saying it's okay for me to take two to three days to unpack this mm-hmm. because I don't want this to turn into baggage. It is okay for me to sit with this and pull these things out before I move on. And it's okay to cry over this, even though it's a it's a career. It's okay for me to toast up because look at all those accomplishments that came from being in mental health. And it's okay to celebrate and look forward, even when you don't know what's coming forward. And I think that's where a lot of anxiety comes from, especially on college students. So what's next? And I think a lot of people don't mean any harm. That question is like, people sometimes are like, I don't know. Yeah. But when you feel you 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 feel inferior. So I've learned <clears throat> be careful with my adjectives. Mm-hmm. It is okay to just make an observation without adding an adjective because the adjective is what agitates a feeling. Mm-hmm. So instead of just saying I'm in transition, it's you know, you suck for not having a job, like you're being irresponsible. No, you added that adjective, which yeah. made the experience bad compared to either not having an adjective or adding a positive one. And so forgiveness doesn't mean access. Um, I know with employers, hire slow, fire fast. Um, I do throw going away parties for employers. Um, and I also remember as someone who owns a business, treating my employees well, and also throwing going away parties when they leave as well. It's mm-hmm. whatever it is to keep. That's what this means. Peace. Yeah. How can you create peace in the separation? Yeah. I like that. Peace in the separation too. Can we hang out on like the grief space just a little bit because i i think about how um how often we we see like f this like i'm gonna just do me whatever like that like move on like and not spend that proper time and like processing what actually happened how like quick we try and and move on past things and like now like now i'm thinking about this now i'm thinking about like not just past relationships but past jobs past like jobs i didn't get past careers i i didn't do like like all the baggage that I'm like processing now in my 30s that I didn't process five, 10 years ago because like I just like bought into this idea that like, that like I just need to just move on and just move on quick because like whatever, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we, you know, move on to the next thing. And going back to, you know, this is a deep cut, but going back to what you were saying earlier on of just like letting those things go and like how it can be just that everything is in your life for a season, a time. And that's completely okay. But like, how how do we get into the proper space of just like allowing yeah. process? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Allowing to like be there, be still, be like, just be. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? A lot of it is pain management. Mm. And so the, the quickness of whatever, I'm good, I'm out. That comes from one, fear. Two, not knowing how to manage the pain. And three, so you're trying to run out of it. And I think when we have skills on how to manage our pain, it becomes easier to create space for that grief. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ecclesiastes 6, it always talks about there's a season. There's a season to mourn. There's a season to cry. There's a season to live. And what I don't want is to not actually experience a season and have it spill over into the next season. Mm-hmm. Because now I got to handle two things when I should be celebrating one. And so pain management looks like really getting alone, carving off some time, even if that means you have to go to the park, if you have to go on a walk and talking to yourself, 
you be honest with you and it's and be honest like this hurts yeah i wasn't expecting this friend to leave mm. a lot of us are grieving like friendship loss yeah people you used to talk to on the phone you don't talk to on the phone anymore yep. your support system has shrunk and that's like wow who do i call i only mm. have one or two people and when they get on my nerves i don't have you know the eight other people and being able to say, like, I feel alone, I feel scared, and I do have to let this person go. They are making a choice not to be here. And sometimes with forgiveness, it's sometimes telling the person, depending on the relationship, like, I learned this, this, and this from you. Thank you so much for our time. Like, I'll never forget it. And I, I do wish you well. And also, don't lie. If you don't wish them well, don't say that. Don't say yeah. good luck with your life. Don't say any of it. Yeah. It's okay to be authentic and honest. And I think when you get time alone, for me, I write poetry. So I had a friendship breakup that I wasn't even aware was broken up, but I had to write a poem. And when I wrote that poem, it was just for me, it, a lot of the tension released. So pain management and pain tolerance, when people are already experiencing a lot of pain, it's like, I don't need this added on top to tip me over. So sometimes it's also a survival strategy of I can't even give myself time to cry because everything will come out. But that's the baggage I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Creating space. And that's, I also want to encourage our community. It is okay to take a sabbatical. It is okay to take time off from work if you're dealing with grief, the loss of a loved one. If you lost someone, it's our, our society, it's very unrealistic to have three days off of sabbatical or one week off. You can negotiate, you can talk to them, or you may need to get a new employer but I think that when we just constantly like, well, I got to get back to work. I got to get back to work. Money is controlling so many of our activities. Mm -hmm. Money and the chase of it is affecting our mental health because we never took time to rest and recover and heal from things that were just mind bothering and traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's been like an uptick in folks taking like leave from work, like medical leave. That's not having to do with like like a physical like medical issue, but more like mental mental issue, like those invisible like illnesses that we don't see. I know multiple people that have taken that leave because like work actually was starting to like cause like actual physical things in their body because they were yeah. so stressed, they were so anxious, they were so sad, yeah. and like they needed space to like recover. And uh, those kinds of things, it, it comes with a letter from therapists, a licensed therapist yeah. and everything like that. And I think what I'll do is like input some like, and I know therapy can be expensive for folks. So I'll put some like other resources in the, in the show notes, but like, it's incredibly important. Like, yo, if you, that's such a good tip of like, take the space you need to like recoup, like, and intentionally rest, like intentionally rest because like taking a day off and spending a majority of that day on your phone and doing stuff like that, like. Yeah, that could potentially be rest, but like, but like you got to do what's like necessary for you. And sometimes that is actually getting outside and getting some fresh air. Yeah. And like, again, that boredom piece of like, yo, like spend some time processing all of the stuff yeah. <laughs> that you yeah. need to and not just run errands. Like sometimes those errands can, can legitimately wait. And that's that busyness. Those mm -hmm. errands, like if you think about planning a funeral, like it there's a certain part of you that goes into survival mode where you're able to get it done. Like, mm -hmm. okay, we're ordering, we're ordering, ordering. Then it's the service, printing the thing, like playing, playing, playing. Then it's the repass. Oh, we cooked, we cooked. So everyone was doing something. Mm -hmm. But when everyone goes home and now you have no work towards this person, 
you have to sit and now you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I wish that some ceremonies would be like two weeks. Like, mm. how can we stay? And there, there are like in the Jamaican culture and a lot of international cultures, funerals are like two weeks long yeah. because it, it doesn't go away quickly. And I just mm. want to extend compassion to any listeners who are like getting teary eyed or feeling like, why does it still bother me? Because you haven't dealt with it. It is okay to mourn. It takes at least two years to adjust to the passing of someone close to you. Yeah. I personally have lost three black men to suicide under mm. the age of 30. Yeah. It is just like, and we're, I'm I'm just sensing in the atmosphere. It's just a, a rampant spirit of death. And this pastor, Jerry Flowers, made a great analogy. He says the trick of suicide is to think that you have to die, Mm. but it's just certain things that have to die. Like laziness has to die. Like your abuser has to go. Like manipulation has to die. Rejection has to die, but you don't have to die. Mm -hmm. And so those things, people don't have a lot of the things that we talked about when people don't have the will to live because they don't have rest. Um, A lot of those young men were tired. Mm-hmm. They were legit tired. They were yeah. constantly told to work from an older generation when they should have been resting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I encourage that. Unlearning that workaholic mentality. No, I would rather listen to your problems than attend your funeral. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That reminded me of some some somebody said is like when a strong person tells you they're tired, like you need to like that's when your ears pick up, perk up a little bit. Like when when a strong person tells you they're tired, like pay attention to them. Because they might be physically tired, but like there have been times where I was just like, I'm like exhausted. Yeah. Like I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Like I, yeah. So no, that's, that's really good stuff. Um, Didn't even do anything. Just exhausted. Yeah, just tired. Your mind just going tired. Yeah. Yeah. Tired. Yeah. It'd be like that. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Kristen, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you deep. came. You came through, you came through, showed out, dropped some gems, just about to go about the rest of your day. <laughs> Yo, I would, um, I would, uh, I seriously, thank you so much for um, showing up, showing out, um, being you and sharing with the real fam, just like everything that you had to offer. You know, I honor you. I honor your gifts, I honor your skills and your journey. Um, I really, really appreciate you um, and all the stuff that you're doing. Um, with that said, I would love for folks to like, if they want to get connected with you, follow you, uh, follow the work that you're doing, and hopefully like even, you know, hire you with coaching or whatever. Um, so how can folks do that? Yes. So you can go to kristendent.com. So it's my first and last name.com. Um, one of the books that I wrote while I was in college going through um, some of that stuff is called The Dangers of Silent Suffering. And so that book is a great book. It's a story. It's a workbook and it has poetry in it. And that's available on the shop tab. Um, I do help entrepreneurs with starting their business. So you can um, work with me on that. And I'm a speaker. So I speak at colleges, universities, youth groups as well. And most importantly, my YouTube channel, which is my first and last name, Kristen Dent. I go live every Tuesday on a podcast with a friend called The Art of Adulting. And it's really good on like relationships and mental health. And that's every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So KristenDent.com and Kristen Dent on my YouTube is the best place to contact me. Shout out you. Awesome. And like always, I will go ahead and put all that information in the show notes on ways to keep up with you, Kristen. But again, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. You're a great host and I appreciate you creating this space for people to really listen and learn vicariously through others. So I salute you for the work you're doing as well. 
Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas. Additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas with music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. Till next time, y'all. Peace.